Thanks for listening to the Church at Severn Run Messages podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. For those of you who weren't here last week, what I'm about to say is probably not going to make a lot of sense. You'll be okay. But uh, here is the, here's the thing. I, for those of you who were here, I wanted to like let you in on, on a little secret of what happened. I got up, uh, last week we talked about if you want to live a full capacity life, you kind of got to deal with this thing called fear. And one of the ways that we talked about the fact that you've got to deal with fear is you've got to be able to follow it back. And I told a story about my son not having some socks and kind of the uh, emotional negativity that that bred inside of our household. I kind of told that story and I said that I might be responsible for that, that he might have seen me be upset before when I couldn't find something that I wanted to wear. This is no joke, folks. I get up Monday morning, last Monday morning, I get up and I could not find the second sock to save my life. I could not find it. I was getting angry and then all of a sudden, Jesus is like, John, do you need to go back and watch Facebook? I think you talked about this yesterday. I'm just saying, folks, the struggle is real, isn't it? The struggle is real. So, um, you know, I walk out of here and got to like try to live this stuff out the same way that, 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 that you do. And when you talk about it out loud, it would seem that that is the go for all the forces to align against you and make you lose socks and get upset about it. But um, here's what I want us to do today. I don't know if you've ever discovered this or not, but we live in a really overstimulated society, wouldn't you say? Huh? Especially where we are, number one, in Western culture. We're not real laid back in Western culture. But then that is multiplied probably hundreds of times by the actual location where we live. We are sandwiched in between two metropolitan cities. One with one of the nation's largest ports, uh, another one which is probably one of the most influential cities in the world. And life for us is go, 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 nonstop action, crazy town. Wouldn't you agree? Does it ever feel like you really ever get the chance to be able to just stop and slow down just a little bit? And Here's the thing about it. You would think maybe that that's kind of the point of a bunch of Jesus followers getting together every week is maybe to just kind of stop and think about it for a second, which we do. But sometimes you can show up here and you just get more like crazy over the top stimulation and not a whole lot of opportunity for just contemplation. So I want us to take a moment this morning to have kind of a moment of contemplation to get us started. Because I recognize that every single one of you have got some type of crazy that's going on in your life on top of your normal schedules. And so you probably walked in here with all of that crazy. You probably walked in here kind of thinking about all the stuff that you've got to get done immediately following church before you start work tomorrow morning, and then all the crazy you've got to do this week. And look, here's the whole thing. That's great. This space is not for that this morning, okay? Let's just leave all of that behind. God had you come here today because he wants to have a conversation with you. 
He brought you here today because he wants you to just recognize the importance of this and the less importance of all of that. So I want us to just have a moment of contemplation this morning. I'm going to ask you to do something I've asked you to do this before. It's a little bit strange. I get it. But I just want you to close your eyes for just a moment. Some of you, you start getting all weirded out by me just asking you to just keep your eyes closed. You're like, but you don't know. They might walk up on me. Don't you worry about that. We got Gwen. She's security. (laughs) She's hit me before. I can tell you it works. Okay. Don't worry about all of that. You just close your eyes. Get quiet for a moment. I'm going to ask you just to take a, a big deep breath. Just relax. Just breathe out. Take another big deep breath. As you start to relax, just let your body relax too. As you breathe out, continue to just breathe slowly, gently. Take the time to let every single bit of energy that your body's got built up, just let it go. Just be quiet for a few moments. I want you to contemplate some things. As you continue to breathe with your eyes closed, just take a moment to deeply consider the pace right now of your life. How go-go is it? How crazy is it? Do you ever find time to stop? Do you ever take time to just contemplate and breathe? Is your life right now, is it filled with experiences? And notice I I don't say stuff. Is it filled with experiences that you want it to be filled with? Are you taking enough time to really deeply enjoy the things that God has given you to be able to enjoy? Is your life right now filled with people that you want it to be filled with? Are you spending enough time with your family? I'm not talking about are you spending enough time around your family? A lot of us are around our family without actually being with our families. Are you having those deeper conversations? Are you being present for one another? What about with your friends, with the people that build you up in life? What's life with them look like right now? What needs to change in order for you to be able to realign your life? Do some relationships maybe need to go? Do some relationships maybe need to begin? Do some of your spending habits need to change so that that way you won't be in so much debt and you'll have to not spend so much time at work?
Do you need to quit spending time, as much time on your hobby so you can really be with people? Or maybe you need to start a hobby so that you can de-stress and do that hobby with people that you love. Do you need to plan a date night with your spouse? Really spend some time talking with them. Look each other in the eyes. Remember why you started this whole thing to begin with. Do you need to plan on a date night with your kids? Spending some time just hearing their life and where they are. Just being with them and making memories. Life's short. I was reminded of that last night when my wife and my oldest and then my youngest daughter, they all went to D.C. to enjoy the festivities that were taking place down near the Washington Monument all surrounding the Apollo 1150 year anniversary. And my son got back late last night and he was like, Dad, it was so awesome. It was so amazing. He said, I, you know, I hope I'm around in 50 more years and I get to, I get to experience the 100th anniversary. And it hit me hard at that moment. If life expectancies are what we think they are, if they continue to be what they are right now, there's a good chance, there's a good chance I won't be around in 50 years. I won't be there. Life is short. What are you spending your time on? More importantly, who are you spending your time with? Jesus, help us to truly, deeply look at this in our lives. Help us not to bypass what you have revealed in these moments to us. God, help us to receive today the importance of each other, the importance of our relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you don't walk away with anything else today, remember this. We cannot do this alone. Did you hear me? We cannot do this alone. A lot of us give it the old heave-ho. A lot of us try really, really hard. But when it's all said and done, alone was never the way that God intended us to live. We were never meant to do this alone. In fact, God, in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He started this entire thing called the universe. He created light, created darkness. He created all the beauty of the planets. Then he starts to form and mold this mud-shaped ball called planet Earth. And he, he begins to populate that with all of the animals and various plant species. And he creates all of that. And there's a lot of theories out there as to why he did that. But here's my best biblical 
analysis of it. God is love. That's the very essence of who God is. And if he decided to create all of this, then I have the sneaky suspicion that the idea that he had behind it was to create a playground for his love. That earth is nothing more than love's playground. This is where it gets the opportunity to live itself out and experience and grow and to breathe. And here's the craziest part about love. Love is complicated, isn't it? Because in order to have love, you've got to have this little tiny thing called choice. Which means that we can make another choice. Which means that this whole concept of evil and and bad can be introduced into the world, but none of that is, it can even be remotely compared to the infinite love of God. It's small in comparison. So God creates this world and he creates love's playground. And what does he do then in Genesis chapter one, verse 26? He says this, then God said, let us make human beings in our own image to be like us. Here's what I think is really interesting about that, and and, and much has been made, and usually when you hear this passage of Scripture taught, what you will hear is, who is he referring to when God is up there talking to us? I mean, is it like Miss Gwen, who's constantly talking to herself in her office? I mean, is that? Because that just gets weird. You know, who is it that God is talking to when he says us? Is he actually in a relationship? In the large majority of the time, what we hear is, is that he's talking to the other partners in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And that certainly and probably is the most likely case scenario there. But also keep in mind that there were all kinds of other um, creations that he had already made inside of the spiritual realms. Maybe he was talking with them. I don't know. Let us make human beings in our own image to be like us. But what I want you to notice that's important about this verse is that relationship already, already existed inside of the heavenly realms, didn't it? Long before he created planet Earth, there was already relationship that was happening inside of creation. So God had this relationship with all the other beings as well as the other members of the Trinity that were taking place. And then he says, but I, I want to do more. I really like this thing called relationship. I really like this thing of being together, being with. And so, hey, let's make human beings. And so he reaches down, he takes the mud of this planet that he's created so beautifully. He takes the mud of this planet, he shapes and he forms, and he creates this guy called Adam. And then he starts a new, whole nother round of relationship. Now there's relationship that's taking place in the spiritual realm, and now there's relationship that's taking place on the earthly realm. But then in Genesis chapter 2, verses 18, look what happens. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Can I get an amen, ladies? I mean, let's face it. You leave your husband for one weekend, right? And you wish you never had because the house will never be the same again. Can I get an amen, ladies? It is not good for men to be alone. We're not smart. (laughs) We need help. God saw this. He said, I will make him a helper who is just right for him. And I'm not going to get into all of the complex theological analysis of what does helper mean in this passage. Okay, that just can get me in a lot of trouble. I'm going to save that for Dr. Drew. Ask him when he gets back. (laughs) But here's what I do know is that God has already now 
expanded relationship from the heavenly realms. He's now placed it on planet earth. But even as he looks at man, he says, it's not good that man be alone. I'm going to make him a helper. I want this relationship thing to grow because it's only as relationship grows. It only becomes as they become the opportunity to be fruitful and multiply. As there are more and more of us, there's more and more opportunity for this thing called relationship and love. It's a playground gets used the way that God wanted it to be used. So, relationship is the point. It's the key. It's love. It's interaction with one another. So here's Adam and Eve, and they're just walking along in the garden, and they're having a great time, and they're meeting with God every day, and they're just enjoying each other. And the work that they've got to do is pretty minimal. I mean, name the animals. I mean, come on. Coming up with a few. I mean, it was hard enough to come up with three children's names. Coming up with a few million species couldn't have taken too long, right? So, some light work that God had given them in the garden, but here they are walking, talking, that they are in relationship, and then all of a sudden in chapter three of Genesis, another character shows up. And this character comes along, and he looks at Eve one day, and he says, hey, um, uh, I got a question for you. God said that you weren't allowed to eat all of the fruit that was in the garden. And Eve kind of like comes to the defense of God. If you look at it in verse, in verse uh, what, 14, I believe it is, she kind of comes to the, the, the defense of God, and she's like, hey, um, no, God, God said we could eat any fruit. There's just one fruit that we're not allowed to eat. And the fruit that we're not allowed to eat is the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. That's it. That, that's the only one. I think it's interesting that this tree has a whole lot to do about knowledge because what had God created this thing for? He created it for relationship. He had created it for interaction. He had created it for experience. You can know something about somebody all day long you can read every book that's ever been written about your favorite president, but when it was all said and done, that does not mean you know them at all, does it? It just means you know all kinds of facts about them. God is there and they're able to walk and they are able to talk and they are able to be with God. And this other character, this snake, this serpent shows up and looks at Eve and says, but you don't know everything yet. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, he looks and, and, and Eve had told the serpent, yeah, if we eat that one tree, the tree of knowledge, then we will die. And the serpent says, you won't die. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you will be like God, knowing knowledge again, both good and evil. You don't need to just have the relationship, the experiential relationship with God. You need to know more. And I just got to tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, religion hasn't changed much to this day. Because religion constantly tells you that you need to know more before you can experience God. That if you will just take this one last class, if you'll go through this one last catechism, if you will just get this one last degree, then finally you will know God. Now, I don't have any problem with all of those things. They're foundational and they're important, but that is not having a relationship with God. She looks and suddenly the snake has introduced mistrust into the equation. The thing that can break relationship, the thing that can disconnect us immediately, the snake has introduced mistrust into this um, relationship. Now, here's the thing about us. 
We're created in the image of God, right? We've established that already. We're created in the image of God. We naturally, we naturally want to trust. We want to believe. We want to live out of a place of trust. Our lives are better. Our lives are healthier when we live out of a place of trust. We want to believe that our kids are making good decisions, right parents? We want to believe that our spouse is being faithful to us, don't we? I mean, that, we would say that a good relationship isn't one that has a whole lot of jealousy in it, is it? A good relationship is one in which you really believe that your spouse is, loves you and it only wants to be with you. We want to believe that our business partners aren't embezzling funds. That's usually good. Uh, we want to believe that our coworker actually wants what's best for our career and is not trying to chop us off at the knees with the boss. We want to believe that our church is there for us when we blow it. We want to believe the best about each other. We are made in the image of God, and as a result of that, we naturally want to believe. We want to trust. As I've already said, this is the nature of a healthy human being, isn't it? A healthy human being is one that, that trusts. A healthy human being is one that believes. A healthy human being is one that, that, first of all, believes that God really, really loves them. And some of you need to hear that again. God really, really loves you. A lot of people walk around professing that they know that God loves them, but they don't live their lives in such a way as to actually show that God's love is in them and through them. Because there's so much self-doubt going on. There's so much self-guilt going on. There's so much uh, lack of faith. There's so much I can't do this. I'll never accomplish that. I can't be that. That's not who I am. Can I tell you something, folks? That, does, that stuff does not come from an all-loving God. That's the voice of a snake trying to introduce distrust in your relationship with him. You need to hear this loud and kill air. God loves you. In fact, this week, at some point, you need to take maybe a little bit of contemplative time like we just did a moment ago. You need to hit some quiet music. You need to sit down, sit still, close your eyes, breathe for a second, and just repeat to yourself over and over again, God loves me. Some of you are a little bit scared to do that because you're afraid of what might come up. Because even right now, as I say things like, God loves me, you immediately start to think, well, if God loved me, then this wouldn't be there. Right? If God loved me, then I wouldn't have suffered that abuse. You know what the answer to that is? While you're sitting there contemplatively breathing, God loves me. When the next thing comes up about cancer, God loves me. When the disease that you've got is brought to light, God loves me. When the person that has betrayed you comes up, then guess what? Say it again, God loves me. Say it over and over and over again until you start to actually totally 100% believe it. Because it is the only truth you will ever hear that totally matters. God loves you. And a healthy person, most of us who are Jesus followers would agree that a healthy person believes that, don't they? As a result of really believing that God loves them, then they're able to take the next step and they're able to like take it easy on themselves a little bit. 
They're able to have a proper respect for themselves. Healthy people don't spend a whole lot of time in crazy self-doubt. They're not critical or demanding of, of, of their abilities. They won't speak of themselves in a way that the heavenly father won't speak of themselves. Have you ever, have you ever done something that didn't seem to be on the brighter side of life? Huh? And when you did that, your response to that was, I'm such an idiot, right? Can I tell you something? That's not what a healthy person does. That's not how the heavenly father would ever speak to you, no matter how not bright it was. Your loving heavenly father would never look at you and call you an idiot. Why in the world do you think you have the right to get off and do that to yourself? Why do you think you have the right to put yourself down in a way that your heavenly father would not? For you to stand in the mirror and degrade yourself oftentimes the way that we do, for you to do that is nothing more for you to fly in the face of a God who loves you, of the God who created you. You're looking at his creation. You're looking at his image and you're declaring it to be less than. That's a smack in the face of a God who loves, is it not? That's not what a healthy person does. A person who's healthy, not only do they believe that God really, really does love them, and as a result, they take it easy on themselves. And, and hear me, I'm not saying that you're perfect. Trust me, I am not saying that you are perfect. Oh, come on, you can laugh at that. I'm also not saying that I am either. But I'm saying I'm created in the image of God. And if he's not going to talk about me like that, I'm not either. So the healthy person sees that God loves them. The healthy person also has respect for themselves of God's love for them, which finally in turns leads to the fact that the healthy person believes the best about other people. Now, how many of you, you would love it if everybody would believe the best about you? Okay, I'm scared. There's like 10 hands that went up just then, okay? Like, really? There's only 10 of you? The rest of you are like, yeah, I hope the whole world thinks I stink. No, I said that. I, I'm, I'm gonna ask it again and just kind of give you a chance to redeem yourselves because that's what we're about is redemption. Here's the question. How many of you, you would love it if everybody would believe the best about you? Simple solution to this. Start believing the best about other people. Huh? Start believing the best about other people. That is what healthy people do. So if that's what we really want, if what we really want is what we long for is this relationship that we had back in the garden, a relationship that wasn't disconnected, but rather a relationship that was trusting, relationships that believed, that a way in which we were connected, then what's the holdup? What is it that's gone wrong in all of this? The thing that's gone wrong is that we all have a version of the snake in our, the garden of our heart. We all have a version of the snake that resides within the garden of our heart. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, 12, he says, for our struggle, and that's a key word here, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So what is 
this snake, this enemy that lies within us, what is this? Well, Paul tells us what it's not. Paul tells us that this enemy is not anything that we're going to find on the outside. Paul tells us that there is a struggle that's taking place on the outside, right? I mean, there is times that your spouse is absolutely getting on your last nerve. That's for real. That's a struggle. There are times when you cannot find the other sock. Some of you are like, you didn't find any socks this morning. (laughs) They're no-shows. Okay. The struggle is real though. There's a lot of times that there's outside forces that are pressing in on us for sure. There is a struggle. But um, it is not against flesh and blood, Paul says. So what does the first thing mean? It's like, why are we disconnected? Well, it's not because of you. Did you hear that? The reason why you're disconnected has nothing to do with anybody that's in your life. You're like, you don't know the people in my life. The reason why you feel disconnected has nothing to do with the people that are in your life. Paul says it's not against flesh flesh and blood. He says, but against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual uh, forces of evil in the heavenly realms. But notice this, he still does not claim that it is all of the powers of darkness's fault either, does he? All he tells us is that it is a struggle. It is a struggle against them, but they are not making the decision for you. You are still the responsible one. This is the moment right now. If you want to know like what the drop the mic moment is in the message, and I know many of you are like, please drop the mic already. (laughs) Here's that moment. This means grab your pen, grab your pencils, get your phone out, however it is that you want to take notes. I don't care. Lipstick works. Here we go. This is the thing that you need to remember. This is what Paul's trying to say. Forget it. All the disconnection you feel in the world has nothing to do with flesh and blood. It doesn't have to do with other people. It doesn't even have to do with the dark forces of the universe that we live in. Did you hear that? It doesn't. That's a struggle. They have influence over you, but they don't make the decisions for you. Here's the thing to write down. Their actions, your wife's actions, your children's actions, your boss's actions, all of these people's actions, their actions do not create your attitude. The reason why you're disconnected has nothing to do with anybody else. It is a snake in the garden of your heart. That is the thing that is dragging you away from the original intention in the garden of connection from God and from others and from ourselves. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 only tells us that there's a struggle. It doesn't say that any of those forces make us do anything. It doesn't say that any of the people in our lives make us do anything. And no longer can you get away with the phrase, the devil made me do it. You, you have to have the complete responsibility and recognize that the snake is in the garden of your heart. Let's let this get raw for just a second. This means that you are not disconnected. You do not feel lonely because your dad was distant. Because your dad 
came home, walked in the house, sat down in the chair, turned on the TV set, drank his beer, and barely said hello, except for, hey, take off my shoes. That has nothing to do with the reason why you, don't, why, why you are disconnected. It may have had influence, but it's not your disconnection. You are not disconnected. You are not disconnected because your mom abandoned you. And I got to tell you what, I've heard recently the story of a mom who just walked out on her children and I just can't fathom it. I can't fathom a dad who does that, but I got to tell you what, there's just something different, moms. You know what I'm talking about, right? The ability to just walk out on your kids, never see them again, never talk to them again. But if that is your... If that is your experience, yeah, it hurts. And yeah, it's had influence on your life, but it is not the reason today why you are not connected. You're not disconnected because you were abused. That was terrible. That was awful. And no human being had the right to be able to do that to you. But that is not the true reason for your disconnection today. You're not disconnected because of the color of your skin. You might be mistreated at times because of it, but you are not disconnected because of it. You're not, you're not disconnected because of your net worth, because you think, hey, if I can get this much in my 401k, then that country club will let me in and then I'll have friends and real relationships. That's not the reason. You're not disconnected because your boss is mean. Gwen, are you in here to hear that? want to make sure that's what I want you to write down uh, you're not disconnected because your boss is mean you're not disconnected because evil exists yes does it have influence on you sure but it cannot disconnect you you are not disconnected because of anything that's going on outside of you you are disconnected because of the snake that's in the garden of your heart. You say, so what is that? If I want to live a full capacity life, then don't I need to identify this snake? Don't I need to figure that out? Well, the answer to that is yes, but we're not going to unpack that till next week. <laughs> you like how I did that, didn't you? <laughs> we're not. We're not going to unpack that till next week because here's what I want you to sit with this week. What I want you to sit with this week is the fact that we've explored all of the outer things that we could claim that are, are disconnections and they are not. And we need to take the time even this week as a church family, as followers of Jesus, to look at our lives and stop allowing everything else to be the blame for our disconnection. We need to take the time this week to start saying, hey, listen, you know what? I'm responsible. I don't know what the name of this thing is yet, but doggone it, here's what I do know is that I'm responsible. And that if I'm disconnected, then I'm obviously gonna have to do something about the snake in the garden of my heart, which I don't know what it is yet, but I'm gonna have to do something about that. And then when I do something about that, it's my responsibility to make connection happen. I want us to sit with that. I want us to take the time this week to be able to contemplate that. Because here's the whole thing. Jesus wants us to be connected, church. He doesn't want us to do this thing the way that we've always been doing it. He doesn't want us to 
waste our lives in pursuit of a thousand other things that don't have to do with true and authentic relationship with one another and true and authentic relationship with him. The rest of those pursuits are all outside things that are not going to get us anywhere because it's not an outside problem. We've got to become connected to one another. This church has to become connected. We've got to get to know each other. We've got to not bounce off each other all the time. We've got to end the poverty cycle of loneliness that exists inside of the suburbs. It can start right here. It can start with us. It's one of the great things that God laid on our heart, it laid on our heart in terms of the Atley house. And I even shared with you just a few weeks ago as, we, as we're purchasing this house right now, I shared with you a few weeks ago as I was walking through there, I was touring there, there that God just like literally was able to, to give me some visions along the way of what's gonna happen inside of that house. But you know, since even I said that to you guys a few weeks ago, I've been, having, I've been starting to have visions of what's gonna happen right here on this campus between one another. That... Amazing things are gonna happen there. Amazing connections and lifelong friendships are gonna be made there. But you know what? Many of those are gonna begin right here on Sunday morning. They're gonna begin right here in the atrium. They're gonna they're they're start because you've got two kids that are down in the preschool area and they've been having a good time and you're gonna meet their parents. You're gonna find out it's not just the kids that are connected. You guys are too. And as God's been revealing kind of these visions, he put an exclamation mark on it for me just a couple of weeks ago with this breakfast that I had, not this Saturday, but the Saturday before last. You see, there was this gentleman that was in our church. He's been attending for quite some time. And uh, he, he had been trying to, to get an appointment together for us to, to talk, for us to chat. I didn't know him. Facebook friends with him. It's about the only thing that I know about him is what I'm able to see there. And, and he had been, uh, again, uh, we tried to kind of work out a schedule. He started last, he started this April with us trying to get together. And I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you folks, um, I, I'm, I'm about to say something that I know is gonna be a huge shocker to you. So please put your seatbelts on, but I'm not Jesus. Uh, you're gonna let that sink in in just a second. And so as a result, sometimes when people wanna meet, but they don't tell me why they wanna meet, I get a little nervous. You make, does it make sense, right? Like I get a little nervous when it's like, hey, I want to meet with you, but you're not, you're not going to tell me why? Because I don't know, I don't always know what's coming. And sometimes those meetings aren't fun. And so, you know, I, I was going to meet with this guy, but, uh, but I wasn't like making it a top priority. We finally got a meeting scheduled and then I got even worse and suddenly I stood him up. I didn't mean to. It was not on purpose. Completely forgot that we were supposed to have a meeting. And don't judge me. (laughs) Healthy people believe the best in each other, folks. (laughs) So don't judge me. Here's the deal. You know you've done something like that too. I'm not the only guilty person about this. I I seriously, I accidentally stood this guy up. I felt bad. I felt awful about it. And uh, I thought, well, I guess, you know, he's not, you know, I was, I was apologetic and I thought, you know, but he's not going to want to meet. Sure enough, he's like, well, where are we going to do this again? I'm like, okay, now I know there's going to be trouble. He's really going to give it to me now when we meet. 
And so we got it all set up. And I usually try to protect my Saturdays for my family days. But, on, but I said, you know what? Since I've messed this up so bad, like I'm going to meet him for breakfast on Saturday. We can both do that easy. So, so I went and I met him, not this Saturday, but last. And while I was in my kitchen that morning, while I was in my kitchen that morning, I was getting coffee right before I was gonna go meet him for breakfast. And all of a sudden the spirit spoke to me and said, John, this is gonna be an amazing meeting. This meeting's gonna be completely outside the box. Remember, I had no idea what it was about. John, this meeting's gonna be totally outside the box. You're gonna love it. Trust me on this. And you would have thought at that moment, I'd have been like, yeah, I wasn't because I don't always like what the spirit says either and don't always trust him. Don't judge me. Because you know you're the same way. Spirit spoke and I was like, okay, well, we'll see. I go, I sit down at the restaurant and he, the guy walks in and it was like immediately instantaneous connection. Like I felt like I'd known the guy for 20 something years. He sits down at the table and we just start talking. And he starts telling me his life story. Absolutely an amazing life story. We had a lot of uh, similar type of uh, connections and, and, and different th- ways that, that, you know, uh, that our lives kind of cross similar types of paths. And, and he was just sharing with me his entire life. This guy is really awesome. Uh, he, I mean, his, the job that he does the people that he gets to impact, the people that he gets to influence. And, and man, we're talking, we're having a great time. And, I, and all the time in the back of my head, I got this one thing going on, this one thing going on. What does he really want? Am I right? What does he really want? We finally get to the end of this conversation and he's like, well, he goes, you know, I'm, I'm, this is what I wanted to do today. I said, what, what? He said, Johnny goes, I have been going to the church at Severn Run for multiple years now. And this is the longest conversation I've had with a Severn Runner. I said, whoa. He said, now, John, I take responsibility for that. He said, my job being what it is, I travel a whole lot. I got to do a lot of different stuff. And, uh, and uh, he said, but, you know, I, I take full responsibility for that. But I just got to tell you, uh, you know, I, I've been recognizing in my life that there's this connection deficit and I need, to, I need to fix that. And you've said a couple things along the way that made me think I want to get to know you. And I was like, man, I'm blessed. Thank you for this. Thank you for this connection. And I'm sorry that like you haven't been able to make it before now. And then I started to think about all of the various people that I know at the Church of Severn Run, people that I know that, that God is using in, that, in remarkable ways, people that are influential and people that are making a difference in the world and they're serving and they're being Jesus in their workplace environments and they're being Jesus in their schools and they're doing all kinds of amazing things for the kingdom. And yet, even right here at our own church, maybe they're still not connected in the way that they really desire. Maybe the church can continue to be this place where we come and we feel loneliness. That's never what God intended, church. It's us It's up to us to stop it. Did you hear me? It's us, it's up to us to stop it. I believe that's what he's calling us to do. We're gonna get practical with that this morning. Here's what's about to happen. I want you to be, I wanna be very clear about this. 
We're about to take up the offering. That is not an excuse to leave. I'm saying it because it happens. Don't leave just because the offering's getting. In fact, what the offering is an opportunity to do is to give. Just saying. Uh, no, it's an opportunity to give not only your tithes and offerings, but maybe to help the development of a relationship with the church that's ever run through the Atley House. We've been praying that God would provide the first $100,000 in the first 30 days. And, uh, and so if, if God has been speaking to you in that way and you want to generously say, hey, listen, I want to be a part even financially of this relationship development of the Church of Seven Run, then, you know, make your gift. We love that. Look at me. We would love that. Maybe you don't understand. We would love that. Say, we would love that, church. Thank you over there. Uh, but listen, we are gonna, we're going to take up the offering, but I don't want you to leave because I got something I want you to do. Don't walk out, just wait. Because God's about to do a new work in your life. If you enjoyed today's message, feel free to share it with your friends. And as we like to say, love well, live Jesus, and believe big.